Do you by chance remember the name Johnny Favorite? Remember the name Johnny? No, I don't think so. You never knew him? Am I supposed to know him? He was a crooner before the war, quite famous in his way. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Mr. Seifier, you know, I... Mr. Seifer. I'm sorry, baby, I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Seifers. I uh, usually don't get involved in anything really heavy. I, I usually handle uh, small-time stuff, uh, insurance jobs, divorces, things of that nature. I get lucky sometimes I handle people. But uh, I don't know no, uh, you know, Karuners or anybody famous, you know? His real name was Liebling. I don't, uh... I don't, I don't know any Liebling either. So what is it that you guys want from me? Does this man owe you money or something? Not quite. I gave Johnny some help at the beginning of his career. So were you his, like, uh... his, his agent? No, no, no. Oh, nothing so. Uh, Monsieur Cypher has a contract. Certain collateral was involved to be forfeited in the event of his death. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? My fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Welcome to another low-down, dirty installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. This is episode number 186, Angel Heart. Slightly more sweaty than American Gigolo. Not quite as sweaty as Body Heat. This movie is grimy. Yeah, it is. It is weird because I do always feel like Louisiana is just a place that I don't really want to go to. And yet I want to live there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just a true blood. I do. Thing. Well, yeah. I mean, there is always this like this idea of like people being into like voodoo and like yeah. black magic and stuff. Interview with a vampire. Yeah. How did you land on this movie? This was definitely a Zach recommendation, like most are for the episodes that we do. Well, I don't want to say what movie we were planning on doing, yeah. but we eventually shifted our focus to do an all '80s edition of One Trashy Summer. So the trashiest decade we needed to pick another 80s movie. I had a few candidates that I was telling you about. I right. watched a few of them was thinking that due to popularity and name brand recognition and 
reputation that we would yeah. probably pick nine and a half weeks, well, which also stars Mickey Rourke like that's Angel Heart does. People just think that you just look up Mickey Rourke's filmography and yeah. that's how you pick the episode. This podcast is slowly turning into a <laughs> Mickey Rourke retrospective with fucking Body Heat it and is weird, The Wrestler though. also being done this year. What we talked about with Mickey Rourke and his career, it's like when you do go back to like this time period and him appearing on Body Heat and everything, you're like, yeah, he was a sharp looking dude. It's kind of sad, like... <laughs> What? Not anymore. No. Not anymore. Although the, he does do something in this movie eventually that reminded me so much of something he does in The Wrestler that when we get there, I'll bring it up. Oh, but maybe it was like a little nod. <laughs> Aronofsky so. was like a big... I don't think so. But nine and a half weeks, I watched that and this pretty much on the same day to decide. And then I was going to ask you what you thought. And so nine and a half weeks, man, that movie was fucking boring to me. Yeah. Okay. And it is very similar to Fifty Shades of Grey. Which we like, but we don't feel like we can ever do on the show. No, I don't. I mean, <laughs> well, even though we have done. I think that Nine and a Half uh, Weeks is like I'll a better a made movie. Yeah. But there's nothing about Nine and a Half Weeks that really stands out. Whereas like Fifty Shades of Grey at least has like the BDSM thing, which makes it like kind of unique. Whereas Nine and a Half Weeks, it's just a boring movie where they have sex a bunch of times, but there's no real story. I don't know. I just wasn't that interested in yeah. it. Angel Heart is a fucking weird movie that has an insane <laughs> cast really? and also an insane plot. It's now turned into a bit of a cult classic. Robert De Niro just, I mean, I know you said like, yeah, it's a, it's a cult classic and you know, it's kind of looked upon more fondly. It seems insane to me that he was up for this role. Well, they wanted him for Harry Angel and he wanted to do this okay. part instead. It's, it's the shocking. The 80s were a very weird time for when you think about Pacino what, and De Niro. But he was a successful actor at this point. Yeah, he had already won an Oscar for right. Raging Bull. Yeah. It just well, seems yeah, like he, a strange role. His biggest stuff, and this is the same way as Pacino, like, their biggest stuff was in the 70s yep. and then, like, the very early 80s. So you have Raging Bull for De Niro, you have Scarface for Pacino, and then the 80s is, like, kind of a wasteland for both of them. Okay. Pacino didn't even make another movie till almost the end of the 80s called Sea of Love, which I actually oh, yeah, really right. like, but it's kind of a strange movie. And then it's De Niro great title, though. really didn't hit another like big-time thing, I think, until Goodfellas in 90. And then Pacino was in The Devil's Advocate. Well, that was in the 90s. I know, but I'm just thinking of the similarities <laughs> of these roles. Before we dive into the strange movie that is Angel Heart, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Thanks for Thanks sticking for with us. Thanks for the support. We got one more, one trashy summer entry. I know we picked movies this month that weren't really popular enough in today's world. American Gigolo made money. Body Heat made money. I don't know that these are really bringing the listeners in. As some of our That's other choices true, yeah. do sometimes. You don't think that there's a lot of people just like searching Angel Heart on the <laughs> podcast app to see Probably not. who did episodes? Maybe this is the only one. Probably not. It's a, If it's a cult movie. I think it's more into the horror world. I think De Niro's uh, portrayal of the character he portrays in this is ranked as one of the best versions of that. I don't even really want to say it. Wow. Okay, I think yeah, we let's, can sort of stay it. away from the spoilers like we did with Body Heat until... We get to the end because well, at the end I do want to like circle back and see if we can figure out this movie because bit, it's very oh confusing. Boy. Yeah, a big part of talking about trashy movies and these like noir type feels is you know the twists are important. So even when you're talking about it, 
I feel like you're kind of ruining the conversation by not saving it for the moments. Angel Heart was written and directed by Alan Parker, who was a pretty big director at various yeah, so points. I, I briefly looked at his filmography. I mean, he directed things like Evita. <laughs> Midnight Express was like his first big movie. Okay. He did Fame in 1980, Mississippi Burning, The Commitments, okay, wow, Angel's yeah. Ashes. So definitely in the Evita. 80s he had some hits. Up, up, dude, Evita and Angela's Ashes were like big movies. Yeah. His last movie was in 2003, The Life of David Gale, starring oh, wow. Kevin Spacey. And yeah, Kate I remember Winslet. that movie well. A movie that is just hated by critics and yet has like a 7.6 on IMDb. Oh, really? I mean, it was like trashed by critics. I could not figure out the discrepancy between the critics' ratings and people loving it on IMDb. I have no idea what that was about. I've never seen that movie, but I do remember it. I have seen it. Not much to say about it. Parker is still alive, but he hasn't made a film since then, so I oh, assume wow. he's retired. He's like in his mid to late 70s he at this point. He just couldn't take the abuse from the critics after Maybe. the life of David Gale. Angel Heart is based on a novel called Falling Angel by William Hortzberg. A lot of things were changed from the novel. We'll touch on a few of them as we go. Stars Mickey Rourke in the lead role, Robert De Niro, Lisa Bonet, just off the fucking charts <laughs> in this movie. How fucking pretty is young he in this hell. movie? Well, she's like 19. Yeah. All right. Calm down. I know. I'm just, I guess like <laughs> when I was looking at the cast and I see she's in it, I, I guess like when she comes on screen, I was like, I was like, holy shit. She looks like a lot younger than I was expecting. Yeah. She's just, whew. Yeah. <laughs> just sizzling. And Charlotte Rampling, who was like a babe from the 60s oh, yeah. and 70s. She was a little bit older. She just was not nominated for like an Oscar a few years ago. That's right. Uh, she still acts in her good old for age her. now. Still look pretty good in this. Yeah, I think so. I don't so. want to turn this into too much of a pig cast, but... Why not? I That's really it usually is. It is one trashy summer, That's folks. Right. Yeah, I thought Charlotte Rampling was like really hot in the 60s and 70s when you see like her old modeling stuff when she was like in Playboy. She was in like movies in the 70s and stuff. People was, really like trying to frantically find that on the internet now. <laughs> she was like 40 at the time of this, and she was actually recommended by Rourke. They wanted to bring someone in who had a little bit of a reputation, even though the character she plays is really only in like one yeah, it's not actual expensive. scene. But she is sort of important to the narrative and hangs over it. Angel Heart had an $18 million budget, and it only brought in just over 17 at the box office, so it pretty much bombed. But it quickly earned cult film status. It's considered a horror noir. Yeah. We've done a lot of noir movies for One Trashy Summer this year. I how much of that budget was just for the actor salaries. I, mean, I would think De Niro was getting a pretty good payday at this point. I think point. he only worked six days on this movie. Well, okay. Good. Okay. So, so no. I don't think he got yeah. like a ton of money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Christopher Nolan cites Angel Heart as a big influence on Memento, believe oh, it or not. Oh, Wow. Well, I guess you do get the whole slowly realities dawning on you thing. The fractured narrative, the way yeah. of the character not being sure of what's going on all the time. You feel like the execution in Memento is a, a little bit better? Yeah. I think the strength of Angel Heart comes from the look of it and the yeah. vibe of it. There is a feel. I, I'll definitely say that. More than the story, because the plot starts to unravel at the end where think, it seems um, like you're kind of confused as to all the details for a while it doesn't really feel that hokey either and there is parts of it that feel little even creepy i would i would say like when when he's first down in 
the Louisiana area. I think it's working, but then you just get to this part where it's like. Well, I'd say like as much as like eighty to eighty-five percent. Yeah, okay. Is really strong. All right, and yeah. It's just that the ending seems very rushed, and all of the details don't quite add up to me. Like you're kind of left scratching your head, like, huh? Sure. What do you think of this suit that Mickey Rourke is rocking? It almost seems like pajamas because <laughs> it's so loose. Yeah. Well, that was just like the style. Yeah. Angel Heart or Falling Angel, as it was called as a novel, had a long line of attempted scripts with potential directors and various attached stars. I always love those stories of movies that take forever to get made with so many different people involved. And then by the time it comes out, like it's just here and gone like in a minute. Right. Yeah. Like that movie with Casey Affleck, I The know, Killer Inside exactly. Me, just went on for decades and then the, didn't even really get like a full wide release and it's just it is mostly forgettable people don't really care about it like at all it's not forgettable to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's some good scenes in it i'll say that it's a good movie it's just it's not mainstream at all and it's just crazy that it bounced around for so long john carter was another one the john carter from mars that's right adaptation that disney did that movie was literally in pre-production for like 80 yeah, years or something it, like that. Like, That's not an all these exaggeration. Stories that, like they were expecting it to be like as big as Star Wars. <laughs> At various points. Right. Yeah. And then this, I mean, it wasn't as long. I think it was just basically through the 80s, but at various points, like Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford were all attached at different points to play Harry Angel, which I can't imagine either of them doing this. No. <laughs> it just seems completely insane. The voodoo and New Orleans element was more just hinted at in the book and they never leave New York in the book. And that's such a huge part of this movie. It's the whole like second half. And I actually love that part in theory. I mean, that's when it does unravel eventually, but having that version of New York and then upstate New York and then New Orleans all in the movie looks cool to me. Yeah. But yeah, that part was not even in the original novel. Now this movie is not super trashy except for a couple of elements and, and one major scene. Yeah. There it, was some MPAA shenanigans. They were originally oh giving it an X. Oh, boy. Which is crazy and yeah. was commented on after the fact by various critics, even critics that didn't like the movie, that were just sort of baffled as to why it was such a hassle to cut out like six seconds of the sex scene and this whole deal. There is a lot of thrusting and it is wild. Stories, yeah. I- I don't know. It is weird. I mean, every time you get into one of these discussions, you're always like, it doesn't really seem like it was that bad. No, and who knows? There could have been a little bit of a interracial prejudice against it. You That's know? true. Yeah. Like they weren't thrilled that the sex scene is interracial. I don't know. That's maybe. I don't know if. The, well, yeah. Making too many assumptions, but you don't know what the th- thought process is. Why this <laughs> sure. movie versus other movies? Well, there's definitely some blatant racism that happens in the movie. Well, yeah. I know that's unrelated to this, but the there's version, certainly a lot of racial uh, tones going on. I think, what, did you watch this on Prime? Yeah, well, actually, I think I had to get a trial to Cinemax <laughs> to watch it. Oh, it wasn't just on Prime? I think so, yeah. Oh, God. But that's okay. Well worth it. The Blu-ray version, which I'm assuming is the same version on Cinemax, they just restored all of the seconds oh, back yeah. into okay. it. Oh, yeah, okay, right. Okay, so let's jump into the movie. We'll We'll touch on things as we go. Because, as we pointed out, I think the strength of the movie is the look and the feel of it more than the story. Agree, yes. There's almost a shocking amount of details to the story. Forget the <laughs> twist. Like there's, all, there's almost too many things going on with Johnny Favorite. 
<laughs> there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of stops along the way. You feel like they probably could have simplified the New York stuff a little well, bit to I, just get there faster. This whole thing with the doctor and the faking of I, I was like, is this a Mickey Wolfman thing? Like from I Inherent like the Vice, doctor stuff. Know? It's when he goes back after the trip to Poughkeepsie that yeah. I'm like, you could have trimmed this way down. Sure. And they even do just have narration kind of over top of the one scene where he goes to see the band leader in the old folks home. They don't even like get into that. True. <laughs> 1955, just after New Year's Day, New York City. Even though it does kind of feel and look like the 80s, I, I kind of felt that way. That's probably the type of film... Just because of the look of the movie? Yeah. I mean, the cars and the clothes Well, and true, shit. yeah. But yeah, there is definitely still an 80s vibe to it, I would say. Right. Maybe not so much in terms of like it's not what as it looks like, but what it feels the, the like. The discrepancy between like the time that it was filmed and the time it's taking place isn't quite as bad as the Stone Age. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, they got the period stuff pretty right. much correct. Yeah. Our main character is Harry Angel private investigator played by mickey rourke he's contacted by a lawyer named Winesap, who says he's representing a man named lewis cypher yeah they organize a meeting i want to just get into this place because <laughs> this is like one of my favorite parts of this movie because it's so baffling to me is this church in harlem oh, sure. yeah not to give anything away but I, I i do think that there's like a lot of irony in where harry meets lewis several times throughout the movie yes and also this church in particular there's like a strange fusion of traditional christianity with voodoo which isn't apparent right away but it will be the second time harry comes back okay yeah but that is like one of the recurring things in this movie and yeah. it just is brought up over and over again and like when he goes down into new orleans the character named Toot Sweet, he's like, we're not all Baptists down here, but they do have that scene where there's like a traditional baptism in the water, but it's shown after the voodoo ceremony, and I think they're I supposed it, to be like comparing them in the visual sense. Well, it reminded it, me of the opening credits of True Blood, which also oh, sure. seems to mix <laughs> some voodoo symbolism in there, but they also have the baptism scene very quickly in the opening credits. I know. Well, it feels like the movie's going... At certain points, it feels like it's going to be about like a cult, which I guess kind of it is, but not really. But I, the whole thing with Lisa Bonet... I don't Bonet know. I is, how much you consider devil worshipping a cult? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I guess... Yeah, maybe like cult is sort of an insult to them because they're like a legit religion. <laughs> Let's go ask What's-Her-Face that we oh, sort yeah, of Oh, yeah, that's knew. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway... <laughs> Yeah, I, I just this the church that he first meets station. Mr. Cipher at is just an insane church because like down in the main area, there's like a preacher who seems to be a little bit of a charlatan grifting these poor people for their money. Oh yeah, being like, if you see me driving in a Cadillac, but you love and support me, then I should be driving in a Rolls Royce or whatever. You know, he's <laughs> basically just embracing like, hey, give me this money so I can have nice things. It's like Clay Davis. Yeah. But then there's like that woman cleaning up a suicide or something. Yeah. There's blood all there's over a, the wall. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck is going on in this place. Like what why are there so many rooms and why is there so much fucked up stuff going on upstairs in this church? It is bizarre. It's a bizarre scene. And throughout the movie you're never 100% sure 
if what you're seeing is 100% real or if this is tied in with like the various flashes that it Harry feels has dreamlike I, I would say but I mean, Winesap does acknowledge it though yeah it's like true. somebody shot themselves or something right they're just now cleaning it up so he meets Mr. Cypher played by Robert De Niro just rocking a crazy look slicked back hair but long, like long. fingernails fingernails are long he's wearing a, a crazy ring with an upside down star which goatee uh, various people will be wearing at different points yeah he's got the facial hair he's got like a cane but like more of an ornamental cane not because he can't walk right <laughs> which is always a good look mr cypher asks harry do you by chance remember the name johnny favorite Harry says no. Cypher says he was a crooner before the war. His real name was John Liebling. I could have been a crooner. <laughs> Essentially, Johnny Favorite, a.k.a. John Liebling, suffered severe neurological trauma resulting from injuries sustained in World War II. This is how random this movie feels, though, because you're just like, so why are you picking me, Harry Angel, to go? Like, what? Well, why, why do well, you think I'm Well, that leads into a whole... We'll get to that when yeah, we try to explain. Because right. I... I, that's a question I can't really even answer whether he chooses Angel on purpose or not. I, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Favorite's incapacity disrupted a contract with Cypher regarding unspecified collateral. Cypher believes that a private upstate hospital where Favorite was receiving radical psychiatric treatment for shell shock has falsified records. He doesn't really want to be involved in making a scene, so he's hiring Harry to go check it out, essentially. Okay. I can follow. The bottom line that Cypher wants to know is, is Johnny Favorite alive or dead? Because the forfeiture yeah. of unsaid, unspecified collateral would happen at the time of Favorite's death. Which I do like as the movie goes on. Every person he asks, just as far as I know, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, but they don't know for sure. Just some dude. Harry rides out there to poke around. Did you recognize the nurse that he talks to? At this hospital. Oh, boy. I don't know if I did. Kathleen Wilhoyt, okay. who is the waitress in Roadhouse. Wow. No, I did not. The one who, like, yeah. gasps at Patrick Swayze's butt. <laughs> She's also in next week's movie. So okay. that's a clue All for right. people. For the last choice of One Trashy Summer. But you can see that Roadhouse Harry again. embraces his good looks, though, because he sort of uses that to manipulate the nurse here sure. and just kind of getting what he wants. And he finds these forged transfer documents. It's just like American Gigolo. It's like once you figure it out, you know, you can just they're under well, your spell. Being attractive and having beauty is the key that unlocks anything in this really? world. I, I know think we've is learned a, that a great thing over yeah. time. <laughs> Harry finds out that there are falsified or forged transfer documents showing that John Liebling was transferred, but it's clearly fake. Okay. And the doctor in charge was a guy named Dr. Fowler. He's this old guy who doesn't really work there much anymore. Harry tracks him down, does a B&E into his house, waits for him to come home. Yeah, and at first I was like, this seems like kind of a sketchy house, but then you do kind of figure out why. Yeah, he finds some morphine in the fridge. Turns out Dr. Fowler's a, He's a got junkie. a bit of a problem, yeah. Fowler opioid crisis. eventually admits that he was paid $25,000 back in 1943 by a man and a woman to keep up the pretense that Favorite was still in the hospital and still incapacitated. Meanwhile, the pair took Favorite away to an unknown location, possibly down south. Yeah. This happened 
12 years prior. It is weird while you're watching this movie because, and I guess that is part of it, is Mickey Rourke's character can't figure out what the hell is going on. Even as a viewer, you're just like, well, what does this mean? Yeah. (laughs) Why was he hired to do this job? The stuff that he's finding out, like, what does this factor into? Yeah, it does seem very insane. Where you're just like, okay, so... (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess... I don't know if this really counts as giving a spoiler away and kind of ruining the ending. Because the first time I watched this movie, I was like, well, clearly... (laughs) Clearly, they're talking about his soul. What else could possibly be he be talking okay about. right yeah. it, that just felt super obvious right off the bat i was assuming that robert de niro is the devil oh yeah i did not and i do think together... that the reveal of that at the end is particularly cringy and embarrassing <laughs> where you're just like really but I'm, the, I'm not gonna reveal even say... what the, what i mean by that yet but yeah okay I, I just felt like watching it the first time without any spoilers without reading anything i was pretty much keyed in on that part of okay. it okay now, the other shit is so random and off the wall that I didn't know any of that stuff coming. And so I don't feel like we're spoiling like the entire ending, but... No, no, more to come. I think once I figured that out pretty early on, I was willing to sort of go with it to see what the the twist was going to be. Because I assumed, based on the noir style, that we were headed towards some sort of a, a twist. Yeah. Some sort of a reveal. The falsified documents were for Cypher and Winesap's benefit when they came snooping around. So essentially, there was no need to pretend he was transferred. He was just keeping up the appearances that this patient was still there. But then people were asking questions. He hurries up and claims that there's a transfer that happened 12 years earlier to a VA hospital somewhere else. Right. But Harry believes that Fowler is still withholding information so he locks him in his bedroom, forcing him to suffer withdrawal from a morphine addiction. Yeah, and seems th- kind of cruel, actually. And then whenever he comes back... Like, what did this doctor do? Nothing, but Harry several times throughout the movie resorts to violence Agreed. to get yeah. information. He doesn't necessarily seem like the most moral guy ever. When he comes back later, he finds the doctor shot in the face of an apparent suicide, although... Wow, what a dead shot, though. Right through his eyeball. Yeah, I don't know tons of suicide situations where they shoot themselves in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fucking bold. Yeah, and it's like, how, how do you just nail that shot? I mean, it's it's not the greatest You could angle. hold the gun up to your eye. Okay, all right, <laughs> yeah. Although it seems what like... What were you thinking? Yeah, I guess if he did that, I, for some reason, it just feels like you would... It wouldn't be a perfect bullet hole right through your eye. Like, it would... Cause yeah. like part of your you would the think. front of your face to like blow up. Harry heads back to the city and he meets with Cipher again, and he's like, "Look, dude, I got involved on a simple little deal. You I really... mostly handle small shit. This guy kills himself. Now I look like a murder suspect potentially. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't know what you're after. I don't care. I I'm want out. out." And Cipher ups the ante and gives him five thousand dollars. To continue, this scene is like particularly bizarre because he's fucking with that like hard boiled egg, egg. <laughs> with just... like his long, gross fingernails. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird right. little detail. Like <laughs> the egg. Are they implying that he like hard boiled it by like touching it? I mean, it could be. I don't, I don't know, know what yet. they're even if there even is a point to it. It might just be that like he's weird. It looks like our Johnny has found himself a perfect disappearing act. Yeah. Seems so. Well, you know what they say about slugs. No, what do they say about slugs? 
They always leave slime in their tracks. You'll find them. No, I won't find them. Because I left out one little detail. This Dr. Fowler guy ended up dead with his fucking brains blown out all over the place, all right? Uh, Fowler? Yeah, Fowler. Did you kill him? No, I didn't kill him. But the cops might think I did. Mm. Hey, look, I took on a $125 a day missing persons job with you, all right? Now I'm a murder suspect. That's it, I'm out. Such are the hazards of your profession, Mr. Angel. If the fee bothers you, we can have it adjusted. No, Cypher, you bother me. Listen, the closest I ever come to death is standing on the corner on 2nd Avenue watching the stiffs go by in the hearse, all right? That's the way I like it. Are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. I'll instruct my lawyer immediately to send you a check for $5,000. If you don't want the job, I'll engage someone else. $5,000? You must want this Johnny pretty bad, huh? I don't like messy accounts. You know, some religions think that the egg is the symbol of the soul. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. He tells Harry that he's like, I don't like messy accounts. Meaning... I'm so interested in this because it's sort of unresolved and I don't like having this hanging out there. But Harry agrees to continue. So he, for some reason, this whole little sequence, I don't really know what's happening or why he does this. But he goes back to that Harlem church and just starts looking around. There's like a troubling vibe to it. He goes up to the room where he first met Cypher. He opens up this little closet and there's all this voodoo shit in there. Yeah. So, I mean, really just like all signs pointing to stay away it ain't worth $5,000. I'm assuming that in the novel, this stuff is explained more as to what's going on. He's in a place. bind. He has like a Han Solo job of the hut, like debt. That no, he needs to- just why this church? What is oh, the okay. deal? Gotcha. Why does yeah. he even go back here? He just met Cypher at a restaurant. I think I, I he just goes no back idea. to this church yeah. by himself and he's looking around. This is what private investigators do though. You, you retrace your steps is it? What does this have to do with Johnny Favorite? I don't know. He opens the voodoo closet, then these two dudes just chase him out of there, and it leads through like this whole big chase where he goes through like a funeral procession. It's like a whole thing. There's actually like a, a few chase scenes in this movie. This one makes no sense, though. I'm, yeah. Who are these guys chasing him? What is at stake here? There's no explanation as to what's happening. And then it just ends. You're like, okay, what, I don't know why he even went back to the church in the first place, other than you do get that scary moment of him opening that closet and there's that weird shit there, and then the noise blares onto that funeral procession, and you're yeah. like, okay. And it's just like, and again, obviously this all plays out to a certain thing, but it is so hard to feel like vested in his mission. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, I think that's common in some noir movies okay. where there's a detective and you're just sort of embracing but I guess the mystery of what's happening. Most of the time we're introduced to our femme fatale much earlier, you know, and we have this whole, okay, well... We don't know what's up with this chick. She seems a little shady, but I kind of get, you know, why Well, at this, this point, stuff. there's already been a few of the weird flashes. I haven't put it in the notes yet. 
because they get bigger and longer and stranger where he's flashing to like all that different stuff happening sure yeah and you're like what is going on there's religious imagery elevators fans (laughs) weird sounds and yelling and it's really kind of unsettling i did like harry's source of info the chick from the times (laughs) that's true he's like in the process of like taking her clothes off while she's like just spilling out all kinds of exposition information <laughs> in a just pathetic attempt at acting. Don't I don't know who this, this woman like a, is, but she is just straight up reading these lines. You don't think she landed a lot of like supporting roles based off her performance in this no. movie? There's two scenes where the acting is kind of suspect. Yeah, it I just know. seems like line reading. The other one is comical. I blame the other one partially on the script. Yeah. Like what he's supposed to say I know. in that scene. Does, <laughs> it's, it's so It's stupid. actually like so long too. I, I, there I were mean. complicated incantations. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just, instead of just saying there were incantations. And it, it does. I, I know he's not, but it like it just feels like he's making it up as he goes. I, I, a little bit, yeah. So she reveals that a couple of Johnny's old bandmates are around. Because as we said, Johnny was this crooner. He started to get big before the war. He gets drafted into the war and things kind of vanish overnight at that point. But he did have known bandmates. There's Spider, who was like the band leader, who's in an old folks home. There was a guitar player who used to always be around called Toot Sweet. That's right. She also tells him that at one point, Johnny Favorite was engaged to a woman named Margaret Cruzmark, who was known as the Witch of Wellesley. She was a high society gal, but she cast spells and was into like dark arts and shit, which didn't go over well in that upper crust. What a crew society, toots. So Harry goes to see the band leader named Spider. We don't really get a lot of out of that. He's at an old folks' home in Harlem. Harry's having these periodic flashes and visions. Times Square, New Year's Eve, nineteen forty-three. Yep. Religious imagery, elevators. The best though, and. I think one of the coolest shots in the whole movie is that exterior of an uh, just an absolutely massive apartment building, just a wall of windows, and that one window has the red light oh, that's right. coming through the bl- curtain yeah. or the blinds, and it there's like that heartbeat sound and yelling and stuff, and you're like, what the fuck's going on in that apartment? It's yeah, all the other apartments are just dull gray, normal, and then there's that red light coming out. It's almost like fucking Kramer in Seinfeld with the Kenny Rogers <laughs> the roasters. Yeah, the light just blaring, but it's coming from inside the apartment. Sleep. It's really cool looking. Yeah. It's a great shot. It's haunting and sort of uh, foreboding. You're like, what is this about? Harry learns also that Johnny had a secret love, an African-American woman named Evangeline Proudfoot. Yeah. At this point, they're just throwing so many characters yeah, at us with so many weird dumping names. dumping information yeah. <laughs> on us. It's hard to keep track of all of this because when he goes out to Coney Island... And again, I get back to like, I'm like, wait, what is he trying to ascertain from all these people? Like, where is Johnny Favorite? Yeah, That's I basically know. it. But like everyone is just kind of like, yeah, Johnny Favorite. I mean, I think he's dead. <laughs> like, well, he no. just wants proof. And then I yeah. feel like he would then say the job's over if but he like, could prove that he's yeah. dead. People talk about Johnny Favor, but none of them seem to really care like that much. No, they're not too broken up about yeah, it. Really? Well, they do reference that though that he reached this height of being a, a performer, but he started to turn on people and and get rid of people from his life. And it did seem like there was an acrimonious finale to Johnny Favorite's life before the war. Oh yeah. I think they do touch on that a couple of times. I got it. But yeah, he heads out to Coney Island at one point. And you're like, what the fuck is he doing? And then 
vaguely you remember that there was a woman named Madame Zora that he knew and hung out with, and you're Another, she was like Madam. a a palm reader or yeah. something out on Coney Island. I love when the guy we were talking about earlier, the the gumbo guy with the that long scene. I love when he talks about his daughter getting into tarot cards at a young age. She got yeah. into tarot cards at a young age. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So he goes and talks to these people out on the beach there, Izzy and his wife. The wife who's in the ocean, by the way, is the lady I love from this the Stone Age. This scene is like awesome. She's the don't eat too many hot dogs lady. Right. It is? I don't I mean, I think it's just weird because I, no, you no, kind of forget sorry. why he's even there. I know. There's nothing amazing about the like the look of it, I think, is like super yeah, it's cool. Shot cool. It looks cooler to me than like anything else in the movie. The beach in winter, it's deserted. This guy just like randomly gives him these sunglasses, right? Or is well, it Well, it's the nose blocker yeah. part of the sunglass that he attaches to his sunglasses right. for okay, some yeah. reason. Excuse me! I was just talking to your husband over there. I was inquiring about a Madame Zora. Yeah, I knew her before the war. Madame Zora, you say? Yeah, she was some kind of gypsy fortune teller. Yeah, she used to have the booths across the boardwalk from me. She weren't no gypsy, she was a debutante. She was messing with Morton reading tea leaves. Did you ever see her with a guy called Johnny Favorite? Yeah, he was cute. He used to visit her all the time. She was real stuck on him. The guy with the golden tonsils, he used to call him. I knew all his tunes. Hey, did you ever hear of a, of a Margaret Cruzmark? Don't be a gazoony, fella. Madame Zora was Margaret Cruzmark. And so he talks to these people, and he finds out that Madame Zora, this person, was Margaret Cruzmark. So there's really even no point to this other than she assumes the woman, the wife, I don't, you don't even know who she is, she assumes that Margaret Cruzmark went back down to new orleans so basically Uh everyone he's talked to going on is like hey they all went back to new orleans conveniently whether that's (laughs) evangeline proudfoot or margaret cruz mark everybody seemingly who was connected to johnny favorite up here toots sweet anyone who might be alive they've all left new york city and headed to new orleans so time to head to louisiana that's right once he gets there he meets with Margaret Cruzmark, played by Charlotte Rampling, pretty quickly. He sets up an appointment. He shows up early. She thinks that at first that he's like a legitimate customer, but then he starts asking, asking questions about Johnny Favorite, and she sort of gets cold and mad, and she's like, who are you? When she's like throwing him out, she's like, Johnny's dead, or if he isn't, he is to me. Okay, so there you have it. So then he goes and he sees Evangeline, or tries to find Evangeline, and he finds out that she's dead. Yeah, so, this is really not turning out to be a very fulfilling A lot of dead trip. ends. He's probably thinking, why the fuck did I come down here? Really? This isn't going anywhere. Are his expenses being covered by Lewis Cipher? Potentially, but I think that everything was so cheap that the 5000 okay. it's barely making a dent in that, yeah. probably. More of the junction of voodoo and Christianity all over the place. When he finds out about Evangeline, he's basically in some sort of a voodoo store. But then he goes to the cemetery to see Evangeline's grave, and there's that Jesus statue. And if you paid attention, it's almost like the heart is like on the outside of the chest of the statue. Oh, yeah. And you're like, okay, that might be something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very odd-looking thing. turns out that Evangeline had a 17-year-old daughter named Epiphany. Okay. Played by Lisa Bonet. 
And once Harry tracks her down and gets a look, which is a weird like plot point. She's seventeen. It's the character. Yeah, character's age. Okay. Well, he asks her later how old she is, and she says seventeen. I don't think it's established right away. Right, right. No, no. I just mean for things that happen later. Well, yeah. Just throw it in. Yeah. Once he gets a look at her, though, he's just looking for any excuse to talk to her. I don't know if he... <laughs> he's like humming a humming a humming a. <laughs> I don't know if he really thinks that it's going to lead him to Johnny Favorite or not, but he's, he's like, like, might as well try. Yeah, that's, this seems like a promising lead. Yeah, because the first time he's talking to her, she's like in front of her house. It's it's clear that her little family and her little community there is like completely destitute. Doesn't seem like they have anything at all like no electricity right. no running water they, they're living like basically in a row house of shacks and she's like washing her hair outside and she's basically just wearing a very skimpy see-through i would say right well not until it gets wet oh yeah, yeah. yeah right <laughs> she's wearing like a white little tank top with no bra so then she, i mean her, she's washing her hair and drawing it's some attention like to herself a scene and yeah a half. right <laughs> listen i was hoping maybe uh I could talk with your mama. Yeah? You're a little late for that. Did you know her? No, I've never met her, but I uh, was hoping maybe she could answer a few questions for me. What are you, some kind of cop? My name's Harry Angel. I'm a private detective. So what's, uh... Epiphany. Epiphany? Yeah. Your mama left you with a very beautiful name, Epiphany. Not much else. Well, actually, to be quite frank, I'm looking for a friend of your mama's, a uh, guy called Johnny Favorite. Yeah? I met all mama's friends. I never met anyone called Favorite. Oh, oh shit, man. I got a thing about chickens. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. This guy, Favorite, he was friends with your mama back in New York City before the war. Yeah, she never told me. My mama had a lot of guys. She liked men. How about a guy named uh, Toot Sweet? He was a friend of favorites. Did you ever meet him? No. Nope. He's supposed to be a pretty good guitar player. I was going to go try to catch his act tonight. Well, listen, I'm going to be staying here in a town, in a hotel, and I figured maybe if, if you could remember anything that might help me, maybe you could uh, give me a call. Pretty girl, Epiphany. Your, your name suits you. Hey, what are you after him for, Johnny Favorite? I'm really after him. I'm just being paid to find out where he is. He could be six feet under. Then I have to buy a shovel. She claims not to know anyone named Johnny Favorite. And so it's sort of a dead end. He's like, hey, well, if you know of anything, hear anything, let me know. I'm looking for this dude. Or if there's anything else you want to talk about, you know, anything you want, here's my number. He does let her know, though, that he's going to see the show of a guy named Toot Sweet. He's That's like, right. well, this is blues guitarist that Johnny used to play with, so I'm going to go see him. I'm going to go check him out. So she's the only one that knows that that's what he's doing. Toot Sweet, played by a real blues musician named Brownie McGee. That's sort of a Muddy Waters vibe. Yeah, he's like playing at this place. 
Harry gets nowhere with him at the gig. <laughs> yeah, he's not really interested in talking to Harry. He claims very minimal knowledge or connection with Johnny Favorite. He's like, yeah, he covered one of my songs. I, uh, that was it. I didn't really know him. That kind of contradicts what we've already heard, that they were pretty close. Right. Yeah, I'm not buying what he's saying. He goes into the bathroom. There's a chicken foot, which is like some sort of a voodoo symbolism thing waiting for him there. We find out later that this was from Epiphany, because she's the only one that knows. Because apparently Toots has a big mouth. Oh, boy. Can't be trusted. Yeah. But Toots doesn't say anything, and Harry gets thrown out of the gig by some of the security I, people at, r- the, which at the place. It feels unnecessary. I guess I guess maybe the talent is being harassed. So Plus, he's a... An unknown guy. He's like a stranger. He's an out-of-towner showing up, making waves. We don't serve your kind here. Essentially. But Harry follows Toots to a voodoo ceremony in the woods. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the more wild scenes of the movie. Epiphany is at the center of it. Contradicts what she had previously said about knowing who Toots Sweets was. What her life is. Yeah. Well, I think later... Toots refers to her as a mambo priestess or something. So she's like, even though she's 17, she's like high up in their little uh, voodoo community. Yeah, which, understandable. (laughs) The new name of this podcast, Voodoo Community. (laughs) More visions of fans, like those old-fashioned blade fans in windows. I know, and it is something. that This is where we have gotten into like the sweatiness again because you just think about like no air conditioning these fans just they don't really cool everything down oh no you know well yeah i think that 1955 new orleans hoof yeah the smell of that town <laughs> yeah. yikes a lot of a lot of tank tops with no bras you know because <laughs> it was just the heat called for it after the ceremony in the woods harry follows toots back to his apartment he confronts him physically. There's a little bit of a struggle. Harry eventually overpowers this guy, thankfully. I mean, this dude is, like, so much older than him. I can't believe it was even that close. <laughs> yeah, but I, it is, like, why are things, like, turning to violence here? I mean, Toots is an asshole, but it's just, like... Well, nobody would answer him. He just yeah. wants... He needs answers. Right. He's getting frustrated. What am I doing here? Toots reveals that Epiphany is a Mambo priestess, and... He's like, a Mambo What? It is strange, though, that he gets so crazy about physically confronting Toots, but then ultimately Toots provides no real answer about Johnny Favorite. The scene just sort of ends with, like, no... But he was, like, that desperate to, like, ask him, but then he just asks him once, and he's like, I don't have anything to say about it, and then that's it. And he's like, all right, I'll just write my number of the hotel and the place I'm staying at in my name on this piece of paper and stick it in your mouth, and then I'm going to leave. Yeah, me, a guy who's threatening you... I'm going to give you where you can find me. After Harry leaves, he has more bloody visions. There's him wandering around with his shirt soaked in blood. You're not really sure what's happening. No, but you could certainly relate to having those types of visions. Well, it feels like a dream, though, because he's awakened in his hotel room by police detectives who are in there telling him that Tootsuite is dead and they have found him because of him leaving his name and hotel and all that stuff. Yeah, with him. And that is unfortunate. Harry's like, "Well, how did he die?" And the cops like, "Asphyxiation by his own genitals." <laughs> yeah, which it feels like he would have been dead before that, but like, I don't know. Bleeding out. Yeah, this is the part I was referring to though that reminded me so much of Rourke in The Wrestler. The part where the guy's like, "Is this your name? Is this your handwriting?" 
and he's showing him that piece of paper. Right. And then Harry picks up those glasses and puts them on so he can read it. Oh, yeah, it is. The way that he put it on was the exact same way that Randy the Ram puts on oh, glasses. Wow. It looked exa- It was the exact same movement and everything. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that was like in Rise of Skywalker when Ben Solo was like fighting like Han Solo. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was like, like that. that kind of reference when when he did it in the wrestler. Yeah, maybe Harry Angel is like a relative of. I, I feel Randy like the Ram. so. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't it feel like Randy the Ram had some Christianity slash voodoo? I I don't know things from his past. He seems like that. No, type. I just figured like alcoholism and neglect. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> think about it. A lot, you know, wrestling the territory days that was like big in the South. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know. More flashes to the Times Square moment, that apartment with the red light, distorted noise, a heartbeat sound. Harry goes back to Margaret's now and discovers that she's been murdered as well, and her heart was removed from her body with a ceremonial knife. Yeah, so it's not only that like people are being killed, but in pretty like violent, grotesque ways. Shot through the eye, genitals cut off and stuffed down the throat. And heart removed with a ceremonial knife. At what point is Harry going to be like, I feel like I need to back away from this. This is not good. Unlike American Gigolo from last week, which you can sort of see the frame job. You understand what the murder is, even though it's unsatisfying at the end what the actual explanation is. It's pretty straightforward. With this, Harry also starts to feel like he's being framed like Julian did in American Gigolo, but there's no indication as to why this would be happening. Oh, I know. Or who would be doing the killing. It's very the only thing you can th- I mean, the only thing you can think is this Lewis Cipher character, something weird is going on there. Well, Harry seems to think that it's Johnny Favorite. Okay, yeah. <laughs> At one point, right. but I, I don't Which know what I the indication of that is. would be. But there's been three murders now. The thing that always jumps out to me about this next section of the film is like how little Margaret's father actually seemed to care that she was dead. I know. Yeah. Didn't really seem that broken up about no, it. Really. Because her father is this big time patriarchal figure in Louisiana, big time money. And this everything. is the guy I refer to as the gumbo guy. Yeah. Although we don't see him yet. But he's named Ethan Cruzmark and a couple of his goons. Yeah, threaten is- Harry. They chase him down. The dog's like biting his leg and they hit him with like a bat. They're like, you got to leave town. Unclear really what the implication is here at this point because. Why are they sending. Why are these goons being sent after him? Well, presumably because Margaret's been murdered, but it's like if they think that he did it, then why would why they tell they- him to leave town? I know. Yeah. Other than I guess he's he's going around asking about Johnny Favorite. Yeah. And he's maybe ruffled some feathers like, that stop way. Stop asking but- questions. Yeah. Just the reaction of Ethan to his daughter's murder and all of this stuff and his involvement with Harry never really makes sense to me. No. Because if he thinks that Harry murdered his daughter, then, like, why is he just be, like, leave town? Like, why is that Yeah, you would think revenge would be on the table? I I don't know. A big portion of this New Orleans segment of the movie is just Harry going back to seeing people that he's already (laughs) seen. So after he goes back to Margaret's, back to all these places now he's going back to see epiphany again not really clear why other than you know he wants to well that's <laughs> he's enough. like hey toots is dead and she's like yeah i heard harry sort of blames her though because he's like 
Well, you told me. You were the me, one that warned. Yeah, you didn't know him. You did the warning thing with the chicken foot because you're the only one that knew. And she's like, well, he had a big mouth. And he's like, yeah, based on the way he was murdered, I guess it was pretty big or something. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good line. This is where she's just like, all right, dude, Johnny Favorite was my father. All right. And there. She, and he was obsessed with my mom. They were together. And then he went off to the war and Johnny never came back after the war is what she says. And okay. Like, okay. Case closed. <laughs> he's like, hey, call me if you think of something. And then he's like, and even if you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if this can be emphasized enough, just how fucking beautiful Lisa Bonet is in this movie. Just wow. I was like, <laughs> I was blown away by how pretty she is. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to argue with that. Especially in the scene in the hotel room where she like comes to see him. Yeah. Where she's just like being super sexy. Oof. <laughs> I'm talking even before the sex scene. Okay. Like, where they're yeah. just kind of talking it, it, and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's steamy. Out of nowhere, Lewis Cipher shows up in Louisiana and they have a meeting at another church. Harry updates Cipher on the murders. Harry thinks he's being set up for the murders, possibly by Johnny. Cipher, though not impressed, presses him to continue. Yeah. The, we this is all stuff anything. that like you kind of want to circle back to once stuff is revealed because again, <laughs> I guess there's like, one major question that I have, yeah. and it, depending on the answer, it's just like, well, what the fuck is the point of all of this? I know because it, it just you keep feeling like Cipher just needs to keep him on this mission. Yeah, which leads you to believe that Cipher doesn't know how it's going to play out right. yet. Yet you're like, why? But what? I don't. Yeah, know. Right. We'll get there. Epiphany's waiting outside Harry's hotel room when he gets back in the rain. Yeah. Hot. Really just like a great thing, I guess, that, you know, this would be a pleasant, unexpected surprise. He asks who the father of her child is, because even though she's 17, she has a little son. And she talks about this whole ceremony, this voodoo thing. And she's like Johnny Favorite. And you're like, what? And she was like, I was mounted by the gods or whatever. It basically sounded like a gangbang. Oh, boy. And she, she doesn't know who the father is. And she was like, it was awesome. <laughs> In so many words. Yeah. She asks him to dance. They have sex. It's a wild scene. It is insane. I He's mean, in this shitty hotel room that has tons of leaks in the ceiling. I know. It's, and the it's rain is so coming through. unromantic. And then as they're having this very rough sex scene, oh, yeah. the water coming through is like pouring through and it turns to blood. So there's like blood all over the place. They're like splashing get, around I mean, it. It doesn't seem real. No, because it's very watery. It's like wa- red colored water. Right. But I mean, even like the way that they're like not reacting to it. Well, yeah. When they're done, it's not there. So yeah. It, yeah. It isn't real. Right. Yeah. But the scene itself is intercut with just complete madness. There's a storm going on. So like I said, there's blood leaking through, but splashing around it. Cho- he's choking her. But yeah, then you're also seeing the lawyer from New York, Winesap, possibly being murdered. There's more fans going on, more <laughs> flashes to things. It's a fever dream. Just a crazy, crazy scene. This is the scene that the MPAA had to, or, or requested that it they is cut long. some out of. I will say, I mean, There's it, a lot of thrusting. It is long. A little too much of Mickey Rourke's ass. Yeah, you're or not like, enough, depending on you know who you're asking. He seemed like very concerned That's with like, like close-up of his ass too. <laughs> the way that he's like ramming himself into her, he seemed very concerned with anybody getting a shot at anything between his legs or like Ooh, or his yeah. butt cheeks coming apart and having that cuz he's like keeping those legs like locked well, together yeah, right. and it seems very unnatural like him flopping on top of her. Yeah. 
the way she's carrying on like he's the any, best. Like unflattering overhead shots. <laughs> There's a lot of Lisa Bonet nudity in the movie. I I could have done with a little bit more. Okay, yeah, that's from, always fine. But it is weird that like once again we have like I mean, how old is Harry supposed to be? I think he's supposed to be approximately like 35 ish. And it's just like no biggie for him to pursue a 17 year old in louisiana in 1955 i'm thinking no harry after fucking epiphany it's like this wild well it ends with him like punching the mirror yes that's true which i didn't think actually happened because there were other things that didn't actually happen but then they do show it again later and the mirror is broken (sighs) i have a lot of questions about how this scene played out yeah and then uh, the ending and and all that stuff uh yep the ending like just really is baffling at a certain point where you're like, well, <laughs> right. what exactly happened? I, I don't know. Harry then goes to confront Margaret's father, Ethan. He admits eventually, after <laughs> some interrogation, that it was he and Margaret who took Johnny Favorite out of that hospital in New York and paid Fowler the 25K. Right. When Harry gets a little bit more physical and threatening, the truth comes pouring out. It turns out that... <laughs> yeah, just nonstop, really. Yeah, he tries to like play it off on a nanny as to introducing Margaret into all this witchy shit, but the, it really doesn't take much persuasion. He's like, no, it was you. And, and he's, he's like, like, all right, yeah, well, yeah. of course I worship Satan. <laughs> he's like, the prince of darkness protects the wealthy and the powerful. And he's like, it just comes it just goes pouring on and out. on, yeah. You're the one that got it started. You're the fucking double worshipper. The Prince of Darkness protects the powerful. That's a crook of shit. It's true, I can't help it if you don't believe. You come straight with me, you slime bagger. I swear I'll save this state in execution. I introduced Johnny Favor to my daughter. He was very powerful. I once watched him conjure up Lucifuge in my living room. He was in it much deeper than me. He made a pact with Satan. He sold his soul. You expect me to sell on that? Follow his spit huh? out. I don't give a damn. It's a crock of shit, you lying old fucking motherfucker. He sold his soul for stardom. For stardom? Are you... That's a crock Lord Satan rose from the dead. It was magnificent. Except he thought he could outwit the Prince of Darkness. Johnny sold his soul. Then when he made it big, he tried to duck out of it. That's a crack of shit, you Johnny came across an obscure rite in an ancient manuscript. He needed a victim, someone his own age. Why? To steal their soul. So Toots and Johnny picked up a young soldier. Who? Just a boy, just a soldier out celebrating New Year's Eve in Times Square. Who was the soldier? They took him back to Johnny's hotel, and that's where the ceremony took place. What ceremony? The boy was bound naked on a rubber mat. There were complicated incantations and stuff in Latin and Greek. A pentacle was branded on his chest. Margaret handed Johnny a virgin dagger, and he sliced the boy clean open, and he ate his heart. He cut it out so quickly, the heart was still beating when he woofed it down. Johnny's plan was to drop out and resurface as a soldier. But before he could work things out, he was drafted. And then Johnny was injured, was sent home without even knowing who he was. Who is the boy? Only Johnny knew. He sealed the dog tags in a vase and gave it to Margaret. It was Margaret's plan to drop him off in Times Square. That would be the last place that he'd remember before it happened. He needed a victim, someone his own age. Steal their soul. And he sliced the boy clean open and he ate his heart. Who is the boy? Johnny's plan was to drop out and resurface as the soldier. 
Maybe he gained possession of the guy's soul. He still looked like Johnny to me. He gets his daughter into it. He introduced her to Favorite, who was actually a powerful magician. Quote, unquote. A powerful magician? In the dark arts way, not in like the David Copperfield way. (laughs) It's just like, see, I can levitate. I think more of like the original meaning of the word. Turns out Favorite sold his soul to Satan in exchange for stardom, which, like I said, I mean, I think I figured that out immediately. Right. Johnny got big, but then wanted to back out of the deal. And, I mean, this is all, like, insane details. He found a way to do so in an ancient manuscript, but he needed someone his own age. In Times Square, New Year's Eve, 1943, Johnny and Toots kidnap a young soldier. There's a satanic ritual happening in an apartment room. But then before... This is the part where you're just like, wait, what? Because then he goes, but before he could figure out what to do, he gets drafted. I'm like, this is a guy who's willing to kidnap a guy murder him, pull out his heart, and eat it. Oh, but then he gets drafted. Yeah. And so he's like, well, I guess I got to go to the Not war. Not a draft dodger. So then he goes to the war, gets injured, returning, not knowing who he was. Gets injured. Well, the whole shell shock angle yeah. is real. Like, But you're just not clear, I guess, on... I don't know. And then when Ethan and Margaret go get Johnny from that hospital, they release him in Times Square because it was the last place that that soldier would have known. Somehow Johnny loses track of who he really is with this other soul. You really weren't expecting like this much of an explanation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty in-depth. At this point, I think you can kind of figure out where it's going, but it isn't. 100% 100% confirmed well, he's, yet. Harry is starting to like react to some of this stuff. Yeah, he runs out of the room and vomits, kind of like freaking out. And then when he returns, he finds Cruzmark dead, face down in a in giant the gumbo. vat of gumbo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just boiling gumbo. One more time, Harry goes to Margaret's home because Ethan told him that Margaret was the one who had the soldier's dog tags, but she never saw them herself. They were just in a vase that Johnny gave her. He finds the vase containing the soldier's dog tags, and the name stamped on the tags is Harold Angel. Oh, boy. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you start being like, oh, my gosh, why did I watch this? It finally is confirmed to him he and Johnny Favorite are one and the same. Cypher appears out of nowhere. He realizes that Lewis Cypher is actually a homophobe for lucifer i was like wow i didn't put that together lou cypher oof (laughs) (laughs) yeah basically johnny has been living 12 years on borrowed time and another man's memories and those memories are harry's harry's like well winesap knows the truth but cypher's like winesap's dead he's dead terrible accident yeah alas How terrible is wisdom when it brings no profit to the wise, Johnny. Louis Cipher. Lucifer. <laughs> Even your name is a dime store joke. Mephistopheles is such a mouthful in Manhattan, Johnny. You think posing as the devil is because it scared some superstitious old guitar player and, and that witch? And that nutty old man, you think it's gonna scare me? <laughs> it ain't, because I know who I am. And you killed them. And you're trying to pin it on me. 
Can I know who I am? If I had cloven hooves and a pointed tail, would you be more convinced? You're crazy. I know who I am. You're trying to frame me. You're trying to frame me. Cypher, I know who I am. You murdered them people. I never killed nobody. I didn't kill Fowler. And, and I didn't kill Toots. And I didn't kill Margaret. And I didn't kill Cruzmark. I didn't kill no one. I'm afraid you did, Johnny. My name's not Johnny. All killed by your own hand. Guided by me, naturally. Frankly, you were doomed from the moment you slit that young boy in half. Johnny. For 12 years, you've been living on borrowed time and another man's memories. Hey, I'm going to tell Weinsap because he knows. Weinsap? Well, he's dead. Nasty accident. Don't worry, no one will mourn one less lawyer in the world. There's death everywhere these days, Johnny. But what gives human life its worth anyway? Because someone loves it, hates it. The flesh is weak, Johnny. Only the soul is immortal. Then there's like that insane moment where De Niro's eyes turn yellow and he does oh, that that's point. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> that's horrible. Well, it just wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> just wait till the fucking kid does Really? It. it reminded me of a show like Unsolved Mysteries or like Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction or something where they were doing like this characterization. Like that's the type of shit. Like that's the level of I was of the thinking effect. like the quality of like an Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean. Or like uh, Goosebumps, the TV oh, show. Oh, yeah. That, like the opening credits of Goosebumps. <laughs> when Harry looks in the mirror, that's when all of the revelations come out. The memories of the murders of everyone from Fowler to Toots Sweet, to Cru- Margaret Cruzmark, to Ethan Cruzmark, and then finally Epiphany. Ah, uh, yes. Such a shame. Harry rushes back to the hotel room, finds Epiphany. She dead. Brutally raped and murdered. The dog tags are around her neck. Makes zero fucking <laughs> sense. Because... I think the implication here is that the sex is scene it? is when he killed her and okay. that there was never a normal sex scene there and that everything that was normal about it was like his imagination. Oh, no. So that happened back then. So like he hadn't even gone the dog tags yet. It just doesn't make any sense why she has the dog tags on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that same police detective there is like, who was she? And he's like, she's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just... Oh, God. But you notice, though, like the guy in the black cloak kneeling or kind of crouched by the door that he yeah. passes is De Niro with no facial hair. Oh, wow. Did you see that no, that's who I, it was? I, I don't think I noticed that. Well, you saw that was like the person, though. There was like that guy with the black uh, okay. thing yeah, on right yeah. before he goes back into the room and finds her. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was like, what? Is there supposed to be ambiguity here with this particular murder? 
I mean, I think it's clear. Is it supposed to be that he didn't actually kill her? That's what I'm wondering. Like, what is the deal here? Because why are the dog tags there? That seems supernatural. Like, how would they get from Margaret's to there before he had found them? I don't know. Okay. And then, for some reason, Epiphany's little boy is there, and the other cop brings him in, and he turns into the devil baby and points. (laughs) They literally have, like, a still of the head. Did you notice that? The head is just a picture. But then the baby's body is still kind of moving like underneath the <laughs> yeah, picture yeah, yeah. of the. It's so bad. And then the movie, like oh, the closing boy, credits, stink. it's an elevator. <laughs> well, I don't know. I kind of thought the closing credits. No, no, was okay. sorry. I'm still thinking about the the yellow eyes <laughs> oh, glowing. Yeah, the baby. Oh, yeah. So over yeah. the credits, it just it, the credits are so abrupt. Like you're like, right. what the fuck? That's the end. The cops like you're gonna burn for this, and Harry's like, yeah, I know, in hell. And then. The credits pop up, but then it intercuts between the credits and this shot of him right. finally riding the elevator down to hell, I guess. And then at the very end, you hear Cypher whisper Harry and Johnny, basically meaning like he has dominion over both souls, I guess. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's and try to so figure this all to go out. Back to, right. I, I guess this Johnny favorite sold his soul? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you're still having trouble with the first step. Right. And I, no, well... So he okay, was able so to that's con- established, okay. so but Ethan, I'm still saying it like, <laughs> okay. Ethan establishes that Johnny was powerful enough to conjure up. He doesn't say Lucifer. He says like some other word. Okay. But it's like prince. that. Yeah. No, it was like Lucifer. I don't know what he says. All right. Yeah. But he he had like enough power to conjure up the devil. So he interacts with the devil. He, he wants to become a big star as a crooner. He sells his soul for stardom. There's always those like old stories about like blues magicians right. at, the at the crossroads yeah. which is a, I, always in the south i think right so it's it's kind of a play on that so that happens and then he becomes a big star in the years leading up to world war ii once he becomes a big star he wants to go back on the deal he wants out so <laughs> yeah well once you get what you wanted of course why would you want to right pay up so he comes up with this complicated it's like they give you an advance for a book deal and you spend all the money and then you're like, well, I don't really want to write the book now. Right. So like the whole thing now you're gonna is get like, sued. he wants to steal someone else's soul and basically like hide from the devil. So I guess in, in the universe of this movie, that is somehow possible. I guess the devil is like less omnipresent than God. Whereas like... Oh, no. Meaning, like, if God can see everything, like, somehow the devil can't, and this could work. Like, you could trick him, I guess, is basically (laughs) what they're saying. Toots and him find this kid, Harold Angel, who, by the way, is not Mickey Rourke, because that is the part that always throws me. Oh, I know. Right. Of the appearance part of it. Because I was like, well, it wasn't Margaret present for the ceremony? Wouldn't she know what fucking Harold Angel (laughs) looks like? Yeah. But no, because they thought of that, and then the, the, so their way around it is so stupid. Yeah, It would actually be better if they did like imply that people recognized him and were trying to like steer clear of him or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. The way that they try to explain it is actually worse. So <laughs> he does this ceremony. He eats a beating heart. He cuts out of Harry Angel's thing. He steals his soul. Okay, very normal. But they do have Ethan Kruzmark specifically say... <laughs> On purpose, yeah. that he still looked like Johnny Favorite. Because right. they want you to know that Mickey Rourke is not what Johnny Favorite used to look like. Correct. Johnny Favorite was a different looking guy. So he still looked the same after the ceremony, but he became kind of confused 
and then it got worse because of the uh, head injury or whatever sustained at war. So he comes back from war with this shell shock, kind of amnesia, where he's not really sure anymore who he is. He, his memories have blended together yeah. into Harry's. The idea of Johnny Favorite is kind of lost because of the injuries from war. He, They don't really beat this home, but I, I'm assuming what they're saying is he had plastic surgery of some kind. Because remember, they're talking about his head being wrapped up in bandages yeah, and all like- this like experimental surgery it's like face off like that's the level of yeah surgery that can be done there's no indication on harry's face that there's ever been any surgery or anything he looks like a completely normal like good looking guy <laughs> right but yet that's what they're saying is he doesn't look like how johnny favorite used to look but he but he's not harold angel either because the harold angel part of it was a different guy it's just the soul so it's basically like... So then what is with these things happening that he's not consciously aware of happening? Well, that that's almost like a dual personality, like yeah. schizophrenic thing. Like In other words, it's almost implying Johnny that there's a part of him over. that Johnny's still yeah. alive. And it's almost like Johnny is clearing out anyone who knows the truth because Cypher's on the trail. So the big question then <laughs> right. is how did Cypher land on Harold Angel if he... Did he know this all along? And if he did, what is the point of all of this? <laughs> well, <laughs> Wouldn't he just like take he the soul back know. then? But nothing changed. That's true, yeah. It just was like he killed a bunch of people, but unless he wanted... Unless he needed this journey to happen. I guess you could maybe say like, oh, he needed uh, Harry to commit all of these sins so that he would be damned to hell too. But if you're using that logic then you would think that Harry has an out because he's mentally deranged and it's somebody else. Like, so that you don't need <laughs> both like, souls to be damned to you, hell. When they're, <laughs> when they're making the ruling on whether or not you're being damned to hell, you can plead insanity. <laughs> I would imagine that it would work the same. Yeah, I think so. There's outs. I right. mean, you can't hold <laughs> an insane person responsible. <laughs> it's just like talking at like the gates of heaven and just like, all right, good enough. And like, what <laughs> all am right. I? But th- it doesn't make any sense, though, because... Johnny would have already committed the sins. So if it's Johnny committing the sins inside of a different soul or body, then Johnny's already committed sins enough to go to hell anyway. I, I don't know. So that's only that's an explanation I thought of, but like it doesn't even really make sense that way. So does Cypher know all along? You would think so because Harry specifically says at the beginning of the movie, how did you pick me? Was it because I come up first in the phone book because my last name starts with A? And Cypher specifically says no. <laughs> and it yeah. leaves it at that, and it's like, there's some other reason. So they almost want you to think that he does know all along. I, I feel like he has to. But, yeah, so then I needed a better explanation <laughs> as to what, if he already knows the truth, then, then what why is, is the this? point of this? Yeah, I know. I don't know. Is it to confirm that I don't think you're going to get a good explanation. I know. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm never going to read this book because it's not that interesting. <laughs> like, oh, I don't man. care that much. That would be much. great if you read it, though, just because obviously I'm not going to since I can't read, but, like... <laughs> No, I don't have that much interest in, yeah. in finding out anymore, especially since they don't even go to New Orleans in the book. Right. I can't even really imagine that version of it. Yeah, it is weird. I feel like there's a version of this idea that could have been pulled off better, but like they kind of overthought it too much and were like, well, wait, so Margaret would recognize him, so we need to like make sure that it's clear that he had plastic surgery and so he doesn't look like how he used to look. Because like, how much like, plastic surgery fuck? was happening in the 50s? Especially, like, he wouldn't Complete, look like, like Mickey Rourke. Yeah. But they never say the words plastic surgery. They're just like, he had injuries and then radical 
surgery and radical <laughs> medical techniques. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. Ugh. But pretty good flick, I would say. <laughs> it's fun to watch. I watched it a few times yeah. in preparation for this. I like a lot of it. It just the explanation at the end. You're just kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> it would be one of those things where if you left it vague, it would be beneficial because you would feel right. like you could fill it in yourself. I do. Think, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. The last twenty minutes does just feel so silly, especially with Ethan Cruz, Mark, just like shouting out right. all that stuff. Yeah, like, there were complicated indications. <laughs> there was different different languages. He can't get like, it out fast yeah, enough. He's just like, why are there so many details? He would never yell this many details. <laughs> Even if that felt like stuff taken too literally from the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's almost reading a paragraph from a book or something. <laughs> I can't hold it against him like that chick from earlier She in the started movie. getting into tarot cards when she was like six years old. I think it was a nurse. No, it was you. Oh, okay, I was the devil. The Prince of Darkness. <laughs> yes, of course. Why wouldn't I love the devil? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. There was something very like Trumpian about Ethan Cruz, Mark. Yeah. I would say so. If you will. I think so. Okay. I love when his like goons chase Harry into that barn and then like a horse gets shot and like falls on top of him. <laughs> it's just such a wild chase. And scene. a horse kicks a dog yeah, at one point. Right. <laughs> oh god. Oh, no. What are you doing? What? what? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I gonna know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Folks, I think that'll do it for Angel Heart. Let's yeah. get into recommendations. I went first last time if you no, want to go first. I don't have another one, so we'll wait t- <laughs> we'll wait till next week for me. I have three. Okay, that makes up I for it. I went for three classics. Kind of like when we did the Greatest October and I picked like three horror movies that I knew we yeah. wouldn't cover. This is a little different. I picked three eighties movies, two of which I don't know. I would like to cover at some point. Maybe okay. we will. Wow. Who knows? They're not on the schedule now, but they could pop up someday. The first is the one that I don't think we will cover. It's Young Blood from 1986, directed by Peter Markle, okay. starring Rob Lowe, Cynthia Gibb, Patrick Swayze. Wow. Keanu Reeves is in there in a very oh. early role. He doesn't really have a lot of lines or anything. He plays a goalie. It's a hockey movie. Rob Lowe's like the hotshot young talent on a like a juniors team in Canada. Right. I think Swayze, even though even though Swayze had to be in his 30s, he's supposed to be like on this team too, I think. It's a fun sports movie that you don't ever hear referenced. There aren't a lot of great hockey movies. I guess there's Mighty Ducks and Slapshot. <laughs> yeah. And Some this people is like more Goon. like... Which one? People like Goon. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I'm not rushing out to see the new <laughs> Sean William but Scott like, my, vehicles. <laughs> Mighty Ducks is like... Just a staple of greatness. Well, we love it. I don't Our very first yeah. episode was D2. Right. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. They don't go back and look. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> so Young Blood is not even streaming. So oh, wow. Okay. You couldn't One even rent it. You can't buy it on iTunes. This you is why physical media <laughs> is important. There are so many movies that you have to track down on Blu-ray. And Young Blood is one of them. I know no one's going to do it, but... I decided to pick these before I checked how available they are. Yeah. I have it on Blu-ray. It's it's just a cool hockey movie. Okay. Nothing too insane. I mean, you're not going to be blown away by it, but I think it's pretty entertaining. The second is one of my favorite movies, maybe from the 80s in a certain sense. If we end up doing it on the pod, which is something I do want to do, I would consider it 
part of like a certain vibe okay. that we've done a trilogy of 80s movies starting with Bull Durham and then Fabulous Baker Boys sort of the what did I call that like the used 80s <laughs> like right, yeah. the 80s where everything looks old and stuff and it would be Martin Scorsese's 1986 film The Color of Money okay starring Paul Newman who won an Academy Award for Best Actor for this film Tom Cruise and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, who somehow has made it into two of my post-COVID lockdown <laughs> recommendations. Wow, all right. Because <laughs> she was also in The Abyss. I just rewatched The Color of Money recently. I love it. It's a sequel to The Hustler. So That's if right. you're familiar with that film or have seen that film, it works on that level. You don't need to have seen The Hustler to enjoy this, though. It's oh, It cool. definitely stands on its own without that. It sometimes pops up on HBO. It's not really on anything right now. So it, but you can rent it on streaming. But it's not really free anywhere. Right. I have it on Blu-ray. I would like to check it out. You've told me about this before. Yeah. I have not seen. I it. I love before. the look of it, the vibe yeah. of it. It's almost like how when we did McCabe and Mrs. Miller, we talked about the anti-Western and what that all meant, and how that it works against like the traditional tropes of the Western genre. Yeah. I would say The Color of Money is almost like an anti-sports movie in that it works against a lot of the traditional sports movie tropes where the movie literally ends right at the part where you would have a traditional sports movie like head into its big okay. climax. Yeah. The big thing that you think it's building towards is not even really what the end of the movie is. But Oh, wow. So it would be like if D2 ended before Julie the Cat Gaffney... Well, stopped that Gunner Stall shot. It's more of a triple D glove side, kind of, but it's more of like a non traditional setup <laughs> yeah. of the whole thing. It's about pool, if people don't know what we're talking about with the hustler and everything. And the third is a very stylish movie that, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, we definitely have like a greatest October coming up, yeah. but I don't really think of this as a horror movie, even though it's kind of about vampires. And it's called The Hunger from 1983, directed by Tony Scott. His first directorial effort, oh, starring wow. Catherine Deneuve, Susan oh, Sarandon, one of the all-time greats, Catherine Deneuve, David Bowie, probably like the coolest cast, cast you could ever yeah. have with those three. Just a fucking cool movie. Is this streaming on anything? This is on HBO Max right oh, now. Nice. Okay, I also this. do a streaming rental. I have the Blu-ray as well. It's on. I'll have to tell you about the Blu-ray situation yeah. okay. after because there's a sale going on. It's very non-traditional for a vampire movie. I don't really think there's really parts of it that are even necessarily designed to be scary, really. Okay, yeah. It has a very uh, music video gloss to it, very ah. highly stylized, but the story is still really cool and unique. There's a long lesbian vampire scene Okay, I'm between Deneuve and Sarandon. Getting ready to order it as soon as we're done here. That's always like a part of... Yeah. Uh, a lot of these vampire movies is there's always <laughs> lesbian scenes for some reason. Well, they're very a lot sexual from the seventies, you know. Yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want to like spoil too much. But it has a lot to do with like aging and stuff. And I don't know. It's just like a really cool movie. You know what I have that I haven't watched yet, but I did buy the Blu-ray. Is that Roman Polanski movie with Sharon Tate in it? That's like a vampire movie. The Fearless Vampire Hunters. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. How? What do you think? It's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I figured, but Sharon you know. Tate is like super hot in it. Yeah, yeah. It's at a time when like Polanski, like I mean, besides the obvious reasons of him being a problematic, uh, there's also the movies where he like is in it himself, and he's like one of the main characters in it. Which is, is that kinda, is that one of these movies? Yeah, he's okay. In it. Wow. 
it's a movie that like has good stuff in it, but by the end of it, I was just like, oh, yeah. could this be over? Please. I think <laughs> I was watching Valley of the Dolls, and I was just like, I-, I need to get more of Sharon Tate's movies. Yeah. Well, there aren't that many. Right. So There aren't that many available on Blu-ray, at least. Yeah. I mean, it's worth owning and, and checking it out. There's some cool... like. It takes place like in a very cool world. Like it, you know, it just doesn't really look like a lot of other things. And it's got like cool shots and cool visuals in it. But like the story just kind of gets boring after a while. And you kind of wish she was in it more right. at a certain point. Well, I, I already own it. So, well, I do too. Yeah. So, <laughs> I actually own the new Blu ray that came out like last year of it and like a bootleg Blu ray <laughs> from like Mexico before wow. it came out here because I was right. interested in owning it. All right, so Young Blood, The Color of Money, which is a streaming rental, The Hunger, which you can check out if you only if you have HBO Max. I don't think it's on the regular HBO app. So if you have HBO though, you should have access to Max. Look into it. You can get it on there or a streaming rental. Check those movies out. Thanks for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at Grace Pod. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. One more for one, one trashy more summer? one trashy okay. summer. We've done all noir movies so far that was kind of a an accident not really intentional well there's always a lot of crossover between trash and noir. kind of yeah it's a trashy genre traditionally even before they were allowed to do like the nudity and violence and right, swearing yeah. and stuff it was still kind of considered always seedy a seedy thing the next one though just a traditional teen sex comedy there we go probably the sleaziest choice of the month <laughs> for sure <laughs> nothing wrong with that hopefully it'll be fun and then we'll get back to normal in August. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you real soon.
I yes. had trouble justifying to myself that my mom knew I was reading a book about a girl getting her period, <laughs> let alone this deep, deep and direct and yeah, and almost almost indignant incest. Yeah, no, like, like whether you like it or not, you will be a part of incest in this yes. family. Like it is. It's a rite of passage. 